0: Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be previewing the 3M Open. This week's PGA Tour stop in Blaine, Minnesota. The PGA Tour has finally returned from their two-week trip across the pond. We are back stateside this week. You do not have to wake up at 4 a.m. to watch golf unless you're living in Hawaii. So we got, you know, kind of a normalized schedule here this week on the PGA Tour. This is not an elevated event, so this is not the strongest field in the world. However, there's definitely some guys that... Definitely intrigued me a little bit, and I'm really looking forward to this tournament. In this episode, we're going to preview the 3M Open. We're going to break down the course. We are going to discuss the golfers you want in DFS lineups and betting cards, and then we are going to discuss one and done strategy at the very end. It's crunch time and one and done, so you're going to want to hear what we're talking about with the one and done strategy for this week and the rest of the season. Now, if you want more golf content from us, check out the podcast feed or check out the YouTube channel. We previewed and did a strategy show for Underdog Fantasy's Pup Cup Best Ball Draft for the FedEx Cup playoffs. It's a very intriguing contest, very different contest, very unique contest that I personally enjoyed drafting for. And we talk about the strategy for the draft and how you can kind of take best advantage of that format to draft a winning lineup and make yourself some money on Underdog. So that's kind of the only other golf content we got this week. There's no alternate event. There's no live event. Um, So also, if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the channel don't have any other golf content for the week, but we do have um, season-long fantasy football content as well as our college football content that is going to be coming up when the season gets closer. All right. So as we always say, you will not find a more comprehensive tournament preview in 30 minutes or less. So you can go ahead and get those timers ready. We're going to go ahead and start the 3M Open preview by breaking down the course. But first, let's get a quick word from our friends at Spotify. Mm So the 3M Open is being played at TPC Twin Cities, which is in Blaine, Minnesota, which is just outside of uh, the Minneapolis-St. Paul metro area. Um, it may be a Minnesota golf course by definition, but this does not feel like a Midwestern golf course to me. And we're going to talk more about that here in a second, but let's go ahead and go over the specifics. So this is a par 71 golf course, and it plays to a little over 7,400 yards. Previous editions of this term, it had been a par 72, and it had been over 7,500 yards, but I do believe one of the par fives was shortened to a par four. Now the race for the FedEx Cup has also brought a um kind of a better field for this event than what we've seen in years past. Previously the FedEx Cup had the top 120 in the standings to make it to the FedEx Cup playoffs. This year it's only going to be the top 70. So you've got some guys here in the field this week that are sitting outside of that top 70 and they're going to be using this week and the Wyndham Championship next week to try to get their way in that top 70 to try to make it to the playoffs and get those big paydays that are coming. Now this event has only been going on 4 years on the PGA Tour. The 3M and the Rocket Mortgage were introduced in the same year in 2019. So we do only have four years of course history to bank on, but it does feel like we can get a pretty good picture by looking at those four years. Now, in all honesty, this is a very typical TPC layout. The TPC family has a lot of golf courses that are played on the PGA Tour and they kind of all I don't want to use the word cookie cutter, but they kind of all have their own similarities. They kind of all have their own similar format. They've got varied ranges of par fours on the scorecard. They've got very scorable par fives and they've got tough par threes where they kind of create that stadium atmosphere and kind of make sure that there's a little bit of tension down the stretch when you got these um, tough par threes. Now this is a Parkland design with tree line fairways and honestly not that difficult rough. The penalty for missing the fairway and hitting into the rough is not very severe at this course. And this This is a much different environment than what we've seen the last two weeks in the Scottish Open and the Open Championship with the Lynx designs. Now you can see on Google Maps if you're watching on YouTube, but this is one of the most water heavy courses on the PGA Tour. Water plays a role in 15 of the 18 holes here at TBC Twin Cities. And if I'm being totally honest, it really looks like a Florida course or like just any Florida country club that's in a gated community and just has rivers and lakes running through it. Like This does not look like it's a part of Minnesota, in my opinion. Now, TBC Twin Cities does have above average size greens that are not very undulating. They're very flat greens and they're pure bent grass. So what you see is with there not being a whole lot of undulation with the grass being very pure, you kind of get a little bit of less difficulty putting bad putters can tend to be pretty well here because they're just not very difficult greens to putt on. And this course generally lends itself to a high birdie rate because of just kind of the generic layout that we've got with, you know, kind of the TPC format, but the presence of all the water does give it a high bogey or worse rate as well, because you're going to see a lot of balls be hit into the water this week. You're going to see a lot of guys teeing it up and hitting three on these holes just because their tee shot finds the water. Now, if you look at the winners of this tournament in its history in the 3M Open, you've got a very eclectic list of players. Only one guy has won this tournament with odds less than 100-1, to 1, and that is Tony Finau last year. Matthew Wolf, Michael Thompson, and Cameron Champ all were 100-1 to 1 or further when they won this tournament. And so, honestly, here in that list, you would think that it kind of lends itself to bombers, but that's not necessarily the case if you look at the whole leaderboard. What tends to play out here is that off the tee play is very critical. You're gonna to have to gain strokes off the tee. It's a very driver heavy course. Um, you're going to be able to swing driver pretty much freely every hole. There's not a whole lot of force layups here at TBC Twin Cities. So you can gain a lot of strokes off the tee and distance can be a huge advantage because it's going to give you um, less distance into the greens, but you gotta keep your tee shots out of the water. So the, the, being good with the driver doesn't do you any good if you're driving it right into the water at this course. Now approach play I also think is critical critical with it being big greens and with water being in play you can really separate yourself from the pack if you're able to kind of go pin hunting and you know stick the ball close to the pin and with the big greens that are very flat you know putting tends to not be super important here the winner tends to gain a lot of strokes putting but it's not necessarily like good putters that play well here, if that makes sense. The winners tend to be guys who are not good long-term putters, but have a very good spike putting week on these greens. So in the end, what we're looking for is we're looking for a great driver of the golf ball who's also good on approach shots, who has the ability to have a spike putting week. This week, I really want to see a high birdie or better rate, and I wanna see a good bogey avoidance rate as well. If you're looking at pure strokes gained in the four years of this event, the top five are Sung J M, Callum Taran, Grayson Sig, Alex Noren, and Tony Fino. Fino is the only one of those five who has played this event more than two times. Emiliano Grillo and Adam Hadwin are next in line for guys that have played the event more than twice. Now, in terms of comp courses, I've got a few of them. The first of which is PGA National, home of the Honda Classic. It's a Florida design that is not short, but not like super long that it boxes everybody out and it's got water lurking everywhere. It tends to play a little more difficult to this one. The agronomy is a little bit different as well with it being Bermuda grass greens, but I do think that the layout of the holes are pretty similar. And so when you look at guys that are in the field this week and how they've done it behind the Honda Classic, the best in the field have been Eric Cole, Ryan Gerard, Ben Taylor, Justin Suh, and Sepp Straka. Justin Thomas, Lee Hodges, and Dylan Wu are also right behind and they have a more substantial sample size. Sung Im with a pretty big sample has done well there as well. I believe he has won the Honda Classic before. TBC Sawgrass, I also like as a comparison home of the Players' Championship. Um, Just another course that is water heavy where you can do a lot of your damage on the tee and on approach. This is not a week where I'm going to care a whole lot about scrambling. If you're going to be scrambling this week, you're not going to be doing too well. Um, The best at the players, small sample size has been Justin Suh, Eric Van Ruyen. Adam Svenson, Aaron Ryan, Brandon Wu. With a substantial st- sample size, you got Hideki Matsuyama, Justin Thomas, and Tom Hoagie coming in after them. And then the last comp course that I can make, this one kind of feels like an easy one because um, Tony Finau won both of these events last year, but Detroit Golf Club, which is home of the Rocket Mortgage Classic, um, I-, I just think that it's another Midwest course with a high birdie rate. There's like no water at Detroit Golf Club, but other than that, it's pretty similar. So like if you're able to play this course this week with avoiding the water, you're kind of playing like Detroit Golf Club, if that makes sense. Um, I think that you know they're both Midwestern, they both have pure bent grass greens, they're both decently long courses and they both tend to play fairly easy. The best players at Detroit Golf Club have been Cam Young, Taylor Pendrith, Aaron Rye, Carl Yuan and Steven Yeager, um, with Tony Finau checking in with a substantial sample size and Troy Merritt checking in with a substantial sample size. Now I'm looking at rickrungood.com and I'm looking at the custom model and I threw in a lot of my key stats which were stroke scan off the tee, stroke scan on approach. I threw in par fives because I think those are gonna be important this week. I threw in birdie or better percentage. I threw in bogey avoidance. I threw in stroke scan putting bent grass. Uh, I looked at long approaches, which there will be a few. I used those comp courses and then I used um, total driving as well, and at the end of the day, for my model, the top 10 ended up being Sung J.M., Tony Finau, Emiliano Grillo, Lucas Glover, Gary Woodland, Adam Hadwin, Austin Ekro, Hideki Matsuyama, Carson Young, and Chez Reeve Really, the only two shockers were Carson Young and Chez Reeve I, I really thought the other young, Cameron Young, was going to show up a lot higher than he did, um, certainly a lot higher than Carson Young, so I was a little bit disappointed that Cameron Young did check in at 36th in model. All right. So instead of talking about the course, instead of talking about the type of golf that plays well here, let's go ahead and see if we can identify some golfers that are going to play well here at TBC Twin Cities. So looking at the cheat sheet here at rickrungood.com, And this is for DFS purposes. For DFS this week, I see lineup construction going one of two ways. I think people are either going to immediately just click in Cam Young and try to build the rest of their lineup from there. Or I think people are going to load up on the 9K range with two, maybe even three guys in this range with Grillo, Seb Straka, um, Gary Woodland, Steven Yeager, Cam Davis. I think all those guys are likely to be fairly highly owned. So what that means is this week is... You, know, you can go with those strategies of just Cam Young and everybody else, or you can go with you know just multiple guys in the 9K range. If you go with those strategies, be aware it's a common strategy, and you're going to have to find a way to get different with your lineup through another construction. And I think you could also just be different by either rostering some combination of Finau M and Matsuyama. I don't expect them to be very highly owned. Or I think you could be different by mixing up in the 9K range as well. I think there's a few guys in the 9K range that are not going to attract a whole lot of ownership. Um, So anyway, how would I construct my lineups? Well, let's go ahead and start off by talking about Cam Young. So I really think Cam Young has everything trending in the right direction, Right now, um, you know he really struggled. You know, around the middle of the calendar year, had a string of missed cuts and just some not so great finishes. But he really has put it together in his last two starts with a T six at TBC Deer Run and a T eight at the Open last week. And last week he was the best player in the field in the ball striking categories. He gained sixteen point eight three strokes in the ball striking categories, lost six in the short game. And you got to feel like if he just would have been better on and around the greens, he might have been the guy that was able to challenge Brian Harmon as well as he was striking the ball. I really like the fact that his ball striking numbers have come around. He really fits what we want for this course with the fact that he is really good with the driver. He's really long off the tee, but he's not inaccurate off the tee, which I think is important. And I think that with Paul Tessori on the bag, I think he's going to have good enough course management that he's going to be able to avoid with the water. I think this week he is clearly one of the most talented golfers, and I think he has the best form of of that top tier of talented golfers. So it would not shock me if this is the week where Cam Young picks up his first win. And in fact, if I were to be betting on one guy this week, uh, I think Cam Young is the guy that is going to get it done this week. And and I I really think he's going to pick up his first win here at TBC Twin Cities. Now, we got to talk about Tony Finau, who is the defending champ, by the way. Um, But he comes in with just absolutely garbage form. Like he has not played well. Really, since he won the Mexico Open um, back in late April, he just really hasn't been good. He's gained strokes with the putter in exactly one start since then. And in that start, he was so bad in the ball striking that he missed the cut. I, I just really don't like this stat profile for Tony. He did miss the cut last week at Royal Liverpool, but and it was largely because of the putter. But I just really don't like where everything's going. Like, Tony, when he was at his best, was one of the best approach players in the world and pretty good off the tee as well, even when he was losing with the putter. And right now, he's not gaining an approach, and he's not really gaining off the tee. I think that he's going to be super unowned in DFS this week, which is kind of what you want for the defending champ. Like, when you look at what he did here last year, last year he was able to win this event, And he really wasn't even that great on the greens. He only grained like less than a stroke putting but he was so elite in the ball striking categories. He was able to, you know, kind of overcome that he's played this event all four times. So clearly he likes this event, likes this layout. He's never coming worse than 28th place. So if you're a course history kind of guy, I think he's a good guy to go with. And I think he's going to be fairly under owned, but there is nothing in his recent stat profile that gives me any kind of encouragement about Tony Finau. And I'm a Tony Finau guy. I play Tony Finau all the time. I I think I'm going to have him in a few lineups this week in DFS, but he just, you know, to kind of be different, to be contrarian, but i don't think he's a guy that you can really count on, you know, to, as a bet to win the tournament or as a one and done pick this week. He's certainly not a safe pick just because of his recent form. Now we do got to talk about Sun J M. So Sung J popped up on a lot of the comp courses and he really shined well in my model last week. I was pretty much full fading Sun J M at the Open Championship given his links history, and he ended up coming in t twenty while losing two strokes off the tee, which is kind of impressive when you think about it. And so I really like what he's been doing on approach lately. I like the fact that he did play well at an event that I didn't think suited him like that. That's kind of generally a good sign when that happens. And so I think Sungjae will have a chance to kind of put it all together this week. He did come as runner up last year to Tony Finau, in which he was just an absolute fiend in the ball striking categories, gaining over 10 strokes. And he played this event, the inaugural in 2019 as well, and came in T15. So I I really think that, you know, clearly this event suits Sungjae pretty well. I I think he's going to be sneakily unowned because I think a lot lot of people are going to play up to Cam Young. We'll see if that ends up coming to fruition, but I do think Sun J M is a very solid play this week. Now Hideki is another one that I think is a solid play. So Hideki he's Always a risky play, right? Just because he's one of generally the most, you know, um, floor and ceiling golfers on the PGA Tour. And he probably has more random WDs than any golfer on the PGA Tour. But that's another story for another time. Anyway, Hideki's been pretty solid for the last two months, pretty quietly. He hasn't finished in the top 10 since the Players' Championship back in March, but he's just had this steady run of you know, 15 to 30-ish finishes while only missing one cut in that span. And that's pretty encouraging. And if you, when you look at how he's done it, he's really done it by being elite in the ball striking categories. And what did I say we were looking for this week? We were looking for good off the tee, good on approach, aka good in the ball striking categories, and the ability to have a spike putting week. Well, he had a spike putting week last week at Royal Liverpool, and it was good for a T13 finish. So I really do like how Hideki's game shapes up for this course. I think that's a pretty good fit. And he did come in T7 here in the inaugural showing. Um, and then in 2022 last year, he did WD from this tournament. If I'm not mistaken, don't, don't quote me on this. Cause my memory, of this is a little hazy. Um, last year at this tournament, I believe he put like three balls in the water on 18 and just finished up and just like, I'm done here. And just kind of just withdrew right after that. Um, you know, that's, that's, I guess it's kind of funny looking back on it, but um, that's if my memory serves me correct, that's what I believe happened. I remember last year, I was actually on vacation watching this tournament. I was all over Tony Finau and DFS. That was one thing I remember, uh, and so I was very happy to get that one right. But if, if my memory serves me, that's what happened last year, so I'm willing to kind of write that as a one-off. I think Hideki's game really does suit this course pretty well. All right, now heading down into the 9K range. There's a lot of intriguing options, but I do want to point out right now, Justin Thomas is here in the 9K range. Absolutely nobody is going to play Justin Thomas. If you are an ownership guy, if you are a leverage guy in DFS circles, play Justin Thomas because nobody's going to play him. His game is in absolute shambles. I don't trust his game at all right now. I. I'm probably going to need to see it first out of him before I, you know, I'm know, i willing to play him again. But I just think he's in a really bad spot right now. And I think a lot of other people are aware he's in a really bad spot right now. And so he's going to be super unowned. I think you can really get an ownership leverage if you do choose to play him. I will not be. But if you are so inclined to, if you're an ownership guy, go for it. Now, I do want to talk about my favorites here in the 9K range. The first is Emiliano Grillo. So when we think about the profile that I talked about, Good in the ball striking categories, ability to have a spike putting week. That's Emiliano Grillo. Pretty much he is routinely gaining over four strokes in the ball striking categories. He has been hot or cold with the putter, but when he gets hot, he gets real hot. Like when he came in fifth at the Mexico Open, or when he won the the Charles Schwab Challenge, or last week when he was T6 at Royal Liverpool. I, I just think that he's got the profile that he can really, really spike this week. Now, I do not think he's a safe play. By any means, I think he's kind of in the same boat with Hideki where the floor is really low, but the ceiling is also really high. Uh, He's probably got one of the widest ranges of outcomes this week. Grillo does. Um, And so I do think he's a pretty good bet to win this tournament, but I wouldn't be doing anything like playing him in a DFS cash game lineup or putting him in a made cut parlay or anything like that. Uh, I think he's got the ceiling to win this tournament, but the floor, if he were to put a few in the water, that would be pretty disastrous pretty quick for Grillo. Now, Sepp Straka is another guy that fit the profile that we were talking about, right? Like elite in the ball striking categories, ability to have a spike week with the putter. Well, that's kind of what he's done in each of his last two starts where he won at TBC deer run and he came in runner up at the open last week. So, I, I mean, those last two starts, they, they kind of say all that need to be said. I think Sepp Straka with that recent form is going to be a very popular player. I really get it. I think you're going to have to make the decision whether you're willing to eat the chalk and think that the trend continues on Sepstraka or if you think that, you know, he's going to kind of come back down to earth. I would tend to think that what he did the last 2 weeks is really good in the ball striking categories, and he, and he's done that before. That part is sustainable. The putting, he generally hasn't been that good of a putter long-term, but hey, all you need to do is have him be a good putter for four days in Minnesota, and he could pay off for you. So I do think that Sepp Strzokka makes for a pretty solid play, but like I said, I expect him to be super popular in DFS formats. Gary Woodland is next up. So Woodland had a... Not terrible week at the Open. He he did make the cut. He did end up in 55th place. He was great off the tee. He was bad on approach. He was real bad with the putter. That's kind of what Gary Woodland does. Gary Woodland is generally a better approach player than he showed last week, which kind of gives me some encouragement. But if you think about what this course requires, it requires you to be good with the driver, it requires you to be good on approach. I think Woodland has the ability to do that. And the last time that he played this tournament in 2021, he came in 11th place, gaining strokes in every category. So I think Gary Woodland makes for a really good play this week. He's another guy right now, like Justin Thomas who's on the outside looking in for the FedEx Cup playoffs, so he could really use a good performance this week to get himself back into that top 70. Steven Yeager is another guy in the 9K range that I like. We've talked about all year how Steven Yeager is good at long golf courses, and if you kind of look at how that's panned out and you know, you know kind of look at his game log, that's kind of been the case. 18th in Mexico, 27th at Quail Hollow, 11th at Craig Ranch, 24th at Muirfield Village, 9th at Detroit Golf Club. Last week was T-34. And he does it by being a good ball striker. And plain and simple, that's what we're looking for this week. Now, he does not have as many spike putting weeks as some of the other guys we've talked about, but that's kind of fine if he's going to be ball striking it the way he has. Um, I think he's another guy that has the ceiling to win this golf tournament. If I were to pick anybody kind of in this mid-range to win, he would probably be the guy that I would be looking at. Last guy in the 9K range that we got to talk about is Cam Davis. So, Cam Davis is another one, like Jaeger, good at long golf courses. Weirdly, he's actually, Cam Davis is like the weird guy that's good at long golf courses and good at short golf courses. There's no real in between. But, Cam Davis is really good off the tee at courses where there's not like fairway bunkers or there's not like super penal rough. So, what worries me this week is there's a lot of water off the tee, but I think he has the discipline to keep it out of the water. Like, I think when you look at his game log, six at the Players' Championship gained strokes off the tee. Um, T7 at Town gaining three and a half strokes off the tee. That's a very difficult driving course. And then was T4 at Oak Hill, which was a very difficult driving course. Another long course, a course where the rough was decently penal, where, you know, you kind of really had to, just kind of hit it out there and, and hope you were in the fairway. So I really do think that his game sets up well for this course. I'm willing to ignore the missed cut at the Renaissance Club. His history here has been pretty good Also, he did miss the cut in the inaugural event here, but he hasn't finished worse than 28 since, and he's played it every year. Clearly, to me, there's something to be said about, you know, this is not a super big event on the PGA Tour calendar. If a guy plays here every year, he's got to like coming here. He's got to think the course sets up well for his game, right? So I do think that bodes well for Cam Davis. I think when looking at the other options in the 9K range, I think he's going to be a little bit under-owned compared to the rest of them, well, with the exception of Justin Thomas. All right, so let's go ahead and take a quick breather, and then let's talk about some values. All right, so looking in the 8K range now, sitting at the top is Adam Hadwin, who has very good course history here with a 38th, a 6th, and a 4th, and I kind of tried to come up with why, because on paper, I don't think he fits the course all that well. He's not super long off the tee, but... I think he's just a really good course management guy. And so I think, you know, at a place like this, he can play a little more conservatively. You know, he can just kind of fairway and green you to death and avoid the water and avoid the big numbers and and put himself in good position. So if this course ends up playing a little more difficult than it has in years past, I think Adam Hadwin will be the guy to go to for that. But I I don't know. It's hard for me to trust him, you know, with... I, I just don't know if he has the ceiling to get the low numbers that we need this week. JJ Spawn has been absolutely terrible with the putter lately. He's been pretty good in the ball striking categories though. If you think he turns it around, this could be a good week for that, but he does not have good history here. Saihed Thegala has been objectively bad with the driver recently. Kind of like Justin Thomas, I'm going to well, I really do like Thagawa long term. I'm going to let him show me something before I go back to him. At least like a little something in the stats to give me some encouragement cuz there just hasn't been any. Now, Keith Mitchell is another elite driver of the golf ball. That it, you know, it doesn't shock me that he has a fifth place finish here. However, the missed cut last week at the Barracuda Championship really does concern me. The first guy that really interests me in the 8K range and, like, really interests me is Patrick Rogers. So, Patrick Rogers had one of the best ball striking weeks of his career last week at the Barracuda Championship. Really did have a big lead heading into Saturday and just kind of couldn't close. And a poor putter was the reason that he did that. And if he's just able to. Kind of be what we know about Patrick Rogers, where generally he's a good putter. Generally, he's an elite driver of the golf ball. He can set himself up to play well here and, and finish well here. And so I think that his skill set does translate to the course pretty well. Um, and Patrick Rogers is a guy that I'm going to be going back to this week. Next up is J.T. Poston, who... You know, he was kind of the recent form king and was kind of like one of the more popular value plays at the Open Championship. Um, He had a back-to-back top six finishes before the Open last week. And at the Open last week, he didn't really play all that great, but didn't really play terrible either and came in 41st, which is not bad. Like JT Post in a major championship and a long golf course, that's... That didn't really seem to fit his skill set. Like, that's pretty solid. Now, JT's been really good in the approach categories lately, and if that continues this week, he's going to be in good shape. He has the ability to have a spike week with the putter. However, he's not great with the driver. He is fairly accurate, but he doesn't hit it all that far. So, I just, I don't know. When you look at the profile of the winners here, they all tend to be longer hitters off the tee. He might not have the upside to win this event, but JT Poston with his approach play and with his putter does have the ability to have a good showing. He's definitely going to be a little bit of my DFS lineups this week. Next up is, if my internet would load... There we go. Mark Hubbard. So Mark Hubbard is a guy that is going to pop on a lot of people's custom models because he actually has a really good stat profile. If you look at what he's been doing recently, he's been an absolutely elite player on approach for like the last four months um, with kind of varying results because of he can go cold off the tee or he can go cold with the putter and, you know, kind of just end up not having good finishes, but pretty much no matter what, he's going to be elite on approach. And so when you look at what he did last week, last week was one of his worst approach weeks at the Barracuda. It was his best week off the tee though, and a pretty good week putting, and he ended up coming in 10th place. And so, I kind of think if he were to just continue that formula and get back the same form that he had on approach, I think Mark Hubbard could be in line for a really good week. I really like the ability that he does have, you know, to spike with the putter. The one time he played this event in 2021, he came in 16th place, which I think is also very encouraging. I think this course aligns with his game pretty well, and I think that he can have a really solid week. Last guy in the AK range that I do want to talk about is Bo Hostler. So, Bo Hostler is a guy that. For what we know about his skill set, he's generally really good with the driver, can be super hot or cold in every other aspect of his game, right? And so when you look at what he's been doing recently, he's continued to be good with the driver, but the approach play has gotten hot. And so in the last two starts for him, he came in 26th at the John Deere, six at the Barracuda, and it's because of good approach weeks, also coming with good putter weeks, And so if Bogan kind of keep up that same formula where he's good with the driver, keeps that hot approach play rolling, keeps that good putter play rolling, I really do think this actually sets up like deceptively well for Bo Hostler. And I don't think he's going to be a super popular play. The four times he's played here, again, he's played here all four years. I think that's encouraging. The four times he's played here, he's made the cut twice and missed the cut twice. I would tend to think that, Kind of like Emiliano Grillo, he's a very volatile golfer. He's going to give you a lot of birdies. He's also going to give you some big numbers. If he can avoid hitting it into the water on Thursday and Friday and just get through that cut, he can really get hot over the weekend. And, and I think he makes for a really interesting showdown DFS play over the weekend if he's there, if you don't want to take on the risk by playing him in your week-long lineups. But I, I just really like what the profiles tell me. I do acknowledge that there's some risk because he is a guy who can be aggressive in his course management, can give you birdies and bogeys, but I really like where the approach play is trending for Bo Hosler. Now, looking down in the 7K range, there are a lot of intriguing options. If you're looking at the low 8K and the high 7K, you do have two guys who are verifiably elite with the driver, and that's Vincent Norman and Nikolai Hoigard, and they both have really good form coming in. I expect them to be super popular and for that reason. Akshay Batia at 7,700, I was expecting to be super popular. I was expecting to get on here and hype up my boy Akshay because he did come through with the win at the Barracuda. However, he withdrew from this event earlier on Monday, and apparently through some weird rule he's... Currently not qualified for the FedEx Cup playoffs, even though he won, which got rid of his temporary membership, but yet he can't get the points. It's a very weird, obscure rule. But Akshay Bhatia, congrats on the win. I was on him last week. He was in like all of my DFS lineups, so it was a really good week at the Barracuda Championship for me. Um, Really was hoping he was gonna teed up this week because I thought the course fit him really well. Anyway, the guys in the 7K range that I do wanna talk about, first of which is Eric Cole. So we mentioned the Honda Classic as one of my comp courses. Well, Eric Cole came in second place at that event. And Eric Cole is a guy that week in, week out, Not that dissimilar from Mark Hubbard gains a lot of strokes on approach, has the ability to gain a lot of strokes with the putter, but is not great off the tee. And he has not been great off the tee in the last four starts. However, what's encouraging to me is that he did gain over two strokes off the tee at PGA National, at the Honda Classic. So, you know, how do you gain strokes off the tee if you're not super long with the driver? Well, you hit fairways, you keep it out of the water, you keep it out of trouble. If he was able to do that at the Honda Classic, He should be able to do that again this week if he continues to be good on approaching with the putter. Eric Cole is another guy that I think has the upside to win this golf tournament. Next up is Taylor Pendrith, who is kind of doing what he did last year. And what I mean by that is last year, he got really hot over the summer and ended up playing his way onto the President's Cup team in the fall. Um, Last week, he did miss the cut at the Barracuda, but it's kind of a gimmicky event with the Stableford scoring. And he lost strokes off the tee, which he like, rarely does. So I'm willing to kind of write that one off. But with the T14 at Detroit, T6 at uh, the Barbasol championship. And I think this course sets up pretty well for him because he is pretty elite with the driver and he can be elite on his approach like he has been in his last three events. Taylor Pendrith is another guy that I'm going to be playing some of this week. Ryan Fox is another guy that I want to talk about because Ryan Fox is super long off the tee, super good with the driver. And when you look at what he's done lately, he's been hot or cold with the putter, which is fine because it just gives us a chance at that hot week. And he's been really good on approach. Good with the driver, good on approach, ability to get hot with the putter. Ryan Fox kind of checks all the boxes of the week. He's a guy that I am going to be playing. Austin Ekro is a guy that I expect to honestly be pretty chalky this week. Um, kind of dating back to, he had a really good run in May and um, June, just kind of with a just steady run of really good finishes where he was really good at ball striking. Um, he's kind of lost it in his last two starts, but I kind of think that a lot of the general public doesn't. Really care about that so much, and they just see the ceiling that he showed back in May and June. And I think a lot of people are going to go back to Austin Eckroat this week. I think he's going to be popular. I think he fits the course very well, also, because he is good off the tee and good on approach. He did play this event in 2021 and came in 16th place. And I got to be honest, Austin Ecrow in 2021 was a lot different player from Austin Eckroat in 2023. So I think that this is a pretty good setup for him. I really like. Pretty much everything about him, with the exception of you know the really recent form not being great, I think this could be a really good spot for Austin Eckro. Now, I do think when you look at the seven K range in general, um, if Eckro is going to be chalky, another guy that I think is going to be chalky is Gary Kigo. And let me explain why. I personally like Gary Kigo. I play him a lot, and you know lefties are kind of having a moment right now with Brian Harmon and Akshay Batia both winning. So why not Gary Kigo? Why not another lefty? But If you look at what he's done, three straight, 33rd or better finishes, he's gained off the tee in all those starts. He's gained with the putter in all those starts, and he's gained on approach in only one of them. And honestly, that's – kind of more than what he normally does. He's generally pretty bad on approach. And so I think when you've got a guy who's really good with the driver, who's starting to get it figured out with his irons, I think that's kind of scary for the rest of the field. And so I really do think this is a good spot for Gary Kigo. I think he's going to be very chalky. So let me present a counter option. That is Lee Hodges, who is similar price tag. I think he's going to be much less owned than Gary Kago Very ugly missed cut at Royal Liverpool, but he. Pretty much only lost strokes in the short game category, so I'm willing to forgive him for that. Generally speaking, Lee Hodges, good at long golf courses. And this is a fairly long golf course. He's shown the ability this year that he can gain a lot of strokes in the ball strike and like he did at Mirfield Village, like he did at Colonial. And he's shown the ability to have a hot putter week like he did at the Valero Texas Open. And so I do think that this could be a really good spot for Lee Hodges getting back to a long golf course, getting back in the States as opposed to, um, you know, where he just missed the cut at the open. So I do think this is a pretty good spot for Lee Hodges. Last guy in the 7K range that I do want to talk about is Will Gordon, who has been very hit or miss, like pretty much alternating weeks in terms of made cut and, you know, missed cut. But the driver is the best club in this guy's bag, if I'm being totally honest. And this is a course where he's going to be able to swing away with that driver. He's going to be able to use it on pretty much every hole off the tee. And so, you know, I kind of like the aspect of this guy is getting his very best weapon back. He's been terrible with the putter in the last two months, but he's not the worst putter if you look at him long-term. So maybe he can get back to some of that long-term form with the putter. Maybe he can get his best club you know, back in use on every hole. Uh, I think this is a pretty good spot for Will Gordon. Now, I do need to talk about a few guys in the 6K range. Um, but first, Grayson Sig at 7,200 is a guy that interests me a little bit. Seventh place finish here last year. Just missed the cut at the Barracuda, but was on a pretty good run of golf before that. Ryan Palmer is a guy who can make birdies in bunches. Um, I, I think he's a pretty solid play in DFS as well. Um, Callum Terran is kind of like turning into one of the showdown kings in DFS. He's a guy that you can play for one round and he can get supremely hot. Um, I don't necessarily know if he can put it together for all four rounds, but the bright side is he did put it together for all four rounds at this course last year with a seventh place finish. Now, let's go ahead and talk about the 6K range. Just a few guys that I want to highlight. The first of which is going to be Joel Damon. So Joel Damon had just been on a terrible run of golf earlier this calendar year. You know, he was featured on the Netflix show. Everybody started loving him. And then he just started being very bad at golf. Hey, it happens. But it seems that he's gotten himself out of that slump. He had not really been good in the ball striking categories, um, dating back to... I don't know, let's say Harbortown. And even then he missed the cup because he was terrible with the putter. But last week he gained seven strokes in the ball striking categories at the Barracuda Championship. Also gained with the putter, 10th place finish. If he's able to kind of keep that same form with the ball striking, like if Joel Damon's gonna gain seven strokes ball striking, he's probably going to you know, come near the top because he's generally pretty good in the short game, long-term. He hasn't been short-term, but long-term he has been. So I, I just really like what last week did for Joel Damon. I think that was the bounce back that he needed. I will definitely be playing him in some lineups this week. It's hard to say like in the 6K range that you're going to go all in on anybody, but he's definitely a guy that I'm going to be playing a little bit of. Another guy in the 6K range that I like, and he showed up on my model, was Carson Young. So Carson Young is... A guy that tends to be whack a mole with the strokes gain, like I've talked about in the past for a few guys. He'll be bad in one category and fix it and then be bad with another. Or, you know, he'll be good in one category and lose it and then be good in another. It just kind of switches based off of the week. But what it does show us is that the guy has a very high ceiling in pretty much every category when you look at it. And so if we get what we got from him last week, which was gaining six strokes in the ball striking and he doesn't lose four strokes with the putter like he did last week. He has the ability to go out and give a very good finish. He is a guy who, for his price tag, tends to make a lot of cuts, and when he makes the cut, plays pretty well. So I definitely don't mind going with Carson Young. Just know that I think he's going to be pretty highly owned, because I think a lot of people are seeing this with Carson Young. Last guy to talk about is Zay Ching, aka Marty Doe. So we've talked about Marty here before. I had him in my lineups last week at the Barracuda, and It is very uncommon for him to gain, or I'm sorry, for him to lose as many strokes in the ball striking as he did last week. It's also uncommon for him to gain as many strokes with the putter as he did last week. So if he can keep the hot putter and just flip the ball striking around, I think that can work very well for him. I think Marty is one of the most risky plays, though. Um, in DFS because he's a guy that is very aggressive in his course management. He's going to go pin hunting. He tends to do well at courses where he can't get himself in too much trouble on the second shot. And so I kind of think that this fits that bill a little bit. Like off the tee, yes, you have to avoid the water. The second shot is water on in play on some of them, yes. But you can also, like, there's they're big greens. And he's been pretty good at courses that have big greens, like 17th at Detroit, like 5th at TPC Craig Ranch. And so I kind of think that he's worth a roll of the dice this week. He's a guy that I play a lot. He's a guy that um, is going to give you those ceiling weeks in DFS, which is what you need. Looking further down the board in the 6K range, there's a few guys that I think are going to get a little bit of traction this week. Ryan Gerard had a very good week at the Barracuda. Tends to be a pretty good ball striker as well. Um, and then t- if you're a course history guy, the guy that you got to look at at $6,500 is Bryce Garnett. He's made the cut all four times here. Never finished worse than 31st. Recent form leaves a little bit to be desired, but hey, if you're a course history kind of guy, he is a guy that has got to be in your lineups. All right, so let's go ahead and break down one and done for this week. So if you are playing one and done, there are likely four tournaments left for you. 3M Open, the Wyndham, the FedEx St. Jude, and the BMW Championship. If your one and done does the Tour Championship, you probably either need to find a new one and done or they have some different rule. But the Tour Championship is not a good tournament for one and done. So you probably got four tournaments left. And you need to be planning out who you're going to use for the four. So let me give you an example. Where I'm currently sitting, in both of my one and duns, I'm in the money, but I'm not winning. In one of them, I have Xander Schauffele and Scotty Scheffler remaining. I don't know how I managed to not use Scheffler. I think I was just determined to save him for as long as possible. They're going to be my two guys for the FedEx Cup playoff events. So what I need to do is I need to figure out the best way to get through this week and next week, so that way I can use Shoffley and Scheffler in those two events. And and I would recommend trying to plan out your two best golfers remaining for those FedEx Cup playoff events because they're going to get you the most money. So what I'm looking at this week is in this one-and-done that I'm using for this example, I have Cameron Young remaining and I have Sungjae Im remaining. Sungjae Im is very likely to play the Wyndham Championship next week. Now, granted, I could use another guy that is not in the field this week that plays next week. Like, um, I don't know if I have any of these guys remaining, but Tyrrell Hatton, Shane Lowry, Tom Kim, they all tend to play the Wyndham Championship. And so if you want to, you know, kind of save Sung Jae to use him at the Wyndham, that's fine. If you have some of those guys that usually play the Wyndham, Adam Scott's another one that usually plays the Wyndham, Siwoo Kim's another one now that I'm thinking about it. So... You can use one of those guys at the Wyndham and use Sung Jae this week if you want to. would be my example, right? Now, granted, I have Cameron Young remaining. I don't know if I'm going to want Sung Jae next week or not. So I'm going to save Sung Jae if I need him next week. And I'm just going to go ahead and go in on Cam Young this week is what I'm going to do in my strategy. I thought that I had used Cam Young at the match play, which would have been outstanding. But turns out I swapped him for Victor Hovland, a guy who doesn't miss cuts ever in stroke play events. And I played him at match play where he didn't get out of his group. Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty on that one. Should've gone with Cam Young. But hey, the good news is I got Cam Young to play this week. So I'm going to be rolling the dice on Cam Young in both of my one and dones. But like I said, if you are looking at your one and done, You need to be playing who you have remaining, and you need to be playing your position also. If you are not in the money, it might be time to get aggressive and play a guy that nobody else is going to be playing, like maybe a Cameron Davis, like maybe a Patrick Rogers, or a Vincent Norman, or a Nikolai Hoigard, or an Eric Cole, somebody like that a little bit outside the box that might give you a little bit of an advantage. If you are front-running like I said, plan out who you have remaining, but you can go with one of these guys near the top and be confident that you're not going to lose a lot of ground in terms of chalky one and done selections. I expect Sung Jae and I expect Sep Straka to be the chalk this week because I expect that a lot of people have not used Sep Straka in one and done formats, and he's been absolutely outstanding in his last two starts. And so I think it's just going to be real easy to just everybody go ahead and click Sep Straka. So. I think that's going to kind of end up being what happens for a lot of people this week. But like I said, if you got a Cam Young or if you got a Sung Jay, maybe you have a Hideki or a Grilo left, it'd be a great opportunity to use those guys – while not detrimenting yourself down the road. Like I said, when you plan it all out and you decide that you might need to use Cam Young at the FedEx St. Jude or the BMW Invitational, you don't have to use him this week. You can use him another week. You can use somebody else in those two weeks because remember, those two weeks are the two that you need to be building towards because of the elevated purse. All right, so that does it for the 3M Open 2023 preview. If you like what you saw or heard, please like on YouTube, it really does help me out a lot. And if you're listening on audio, please rate and review. Please subscribe to the audio feed or to the YouTube channel. Y'all, I used to think the content creators were just saying that, like just to say it, but it really does make a difference. It really does help me out a lot. And pretty much 90% of people that watch my videos in YouTube aren't subscribed to the channel. Y'all, it's free to do. You'll be notified when new content drops. I really do appreciate it. It really does help me out a lot. You'll be notified when our new episodes drop, like our Wyndham Championship preview, like all of our season-long fantasy football content, like all of our college football content. And if you missed it, go ahead and check out our strategy and draft for the Pub Cup Underdogs Fantasy Draft Competition for the FedEx Cup Playoffs. That is in the podcast feed and on the YouTube channel. All right. That does it for 3M Open. I think I went a little bit over my time this week, but hopefully I was able to give you guys a lot of information that you can use to build a winning DFS lineup, fill out your betting cards, and make the right selection of one and done this week. Thank you guys for watching and listening, and I will see you next time.